Hi, I'm Lauren Kennedy, and you are listening to Musical World. Hi, I'm Dave Hudson, and you're listening to Musical World, the place for new musicals on the Internet. Hi, I'm Susan Blackwell, and you're listening to Musical World. Hi, my name is Ryan Scott Oliver. I'm the composer of Mrs. Sharp and Darling, and you're listening to Musical World. Hi, I'm Adam Guan, composer and lyricist, and you are listening to Musical World Podcast. Hey, I'm Stephen Cole, the mayor of Musical World, who has been to the Middle East and done musicals. <laughs> it's time to listen to Musical World. Hello. I'm Noel. Hi, Jim. How's it going? Good. It's awesome. been years. It's been way too long. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been literally years. Some people use the expression it's been years, but I think we're 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 not exaggerating. No, I I believe not. I would have to look back and see and I will do that before I post this and find out how long it's really been, but it I'm sure it's been three or four at least. Mm-hmm. This project really mm-hmm. intrigued me when I read about it. Are you aware of anybody else that has done this or with a with a cast, a touring cast and done the cabarets in their cities that they're touring? You know, I can't say I've ever heard of such a thing, but uh, I don't know. The, the idea makes a certain sense when you realize that... Um, these people long ago rehearsed their show, 42nd Street, and now they're just doing it all over the country, and that does give them some free time to learn another show and to perform it. I think it's a great idea for exactly what you're doing as far as uh, new musicals, and you've got top-quality performers, and you've got access to the music direction and uh, the the locations, and I just think it's a great idea. Why, why don't you, to start off with, tell tell the listeners what we're talking about and what's going on. Well, there's a little cabaret musical called Things We Do for Love, and it's um, songs I've written for various projects, and it'll be performed by a cast of six, and all the members of the um, cast are currently also in the cast of a um, national tour of 42nd Street, directed by its author, Mark Bramble. That is, mm. that's 42nd Street. Right. The, things we, the Things We Do for Love is directed by Justin Besito, who also directed it five years ago when it was a, uh, a cabaret that nearly played in New York. Nearly? Nearly. <laughs> it did play in New York. It just didn't play anywhere else. And this time, it'll play in New York and Los Angeles and whatever whatever other cities they can find along the way. I was looking down through the list of uh, people involved, like Justin and uh, Alec Bart, <laughs> Stephen Bidwell. I mean, wow. <laughs> and and down down the way a little bit, I see an Ohio kid. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't know. 
Uh, yeah, Brady Miller has uh, graduated from Ohio Northern, uh, about 30, 40 miles from me, uh, uh, right up the road from us. He's he's a two, 2015 graduate. So, uh, the, um, uh, much of this winter, I was working on a, uh, I was kind of helping out on a uh, production in, in a uh, performing arts high school in yeah. Times Square. And the director, although we never talked about this, but whenever he called, Pequa, Ohio, would appear on the phone. So I assume at least he got his phone in Pequa. Really? Or, I mean, this wasn't a Bogart, was it? No, this was this was a, um, a guy named uh, Keyshawn Morrow. Okay, well. And he was directing this rather huge production of Barnum. Hmm. And Barnum, this staging of Barnum had an aspect that is almost too fun to be imagined. <laughs> the, um, the piano was placed on a platform with wheels. At various points in the show, in time with the music, in concert with choreography four teenagers would push the piano to a different location. So I'd be playing a song, and suddenly I'd be moving, and I would finish a song, and suddenly I'd be in center stage, you know, and it would be an applause-worthy thing. Because how often do you see a moving piano? No. So the piano, you know, the bench, and everything was moving. Everything was moving, and <laughs> it was kind of crazy, because, you know, when you're... When you're a piano player, you, you look with envy on marching bands and think, well, that'll never be me. I yeah. don't play an instrument that moves, but, but <laughs> this show, I was doing that. I, I grew up playing piano, but I never once envied not being able to be in the marching band with my piano. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and now they just sit you at the side like they do with all the auxiliary stuff they right you go see these marching band competitions and they got 30 people on the side of the field um it just doesn't seem right to me <laughs> <laughs> they're not marching why does that count right oh we well, digress i can't claim that i was marching but i was mobile i was moving with space yeah space. i think and it's awesome also i didn't I wasn't there for every rehearsal, so it was always a surprise to me what was going to be going on in the rehearsal. <laughs> and, you know, when you're preparing a show, you make various cuts and uh, edits and maybe add extra dance music, whatever they were doing. Right. So I remember one day thinking that I was literally and figuratively unable to tell where I was in the score. Because I couldn't find my place in the music, and I didn't know my place on the stage because oh, I'd just been pushed man. elsewhere and kind of spun around. Oh, man. <laughs> and the best part about it, you didn't have to remember your blocking. Right. That's right. <laughs> I just sat in a chair. You just had to pay attention to the music and let it go. Right. Well, what do you want to play first for everybody? Why don't you want to, what do you want them to hear first? Um, um, I've got well, five or six. Why don't we start with, um, with Thoughts in Transit? Because, you know, we were just talking about moving yeah. around. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, 
the people in thoughts in transit, I think, are all on a bus. And so they're having, they, uh, you know, it's a couple of shy people who think they recognize each other from college ah. uh, while they are, you know, sitting somewhere not terribly close to each other on a bus. Sitting in the seat over there, there is a, there is a guy, and I think I heard him come from NYU, from Hollyside, during lectures, during lectures, she was all I had by my life. got five songs here for us one of them right uh, i don't know if you want to play it next but this man loves me is by someone near and dear to you that's right that's uh joy doing my wife who uh this man loves me was written for in to kind of be the climax of our wedding the musical yes. so this is from our actual wedding, which was actually an original musical in which bridegroom, bridesmaids, best man, preacher, all of our parents, and the four-year-old flower girl all yes. sang. In fact, everybody everybody in the audience also sang. Yes, we, we actually featured it on Musical World some time ago, and I'll, I'll look it up, and I'll put a link in the show notes so people can go back and listen to that episode. That would be great, Jim. Um so Joy is singing uh, uh, This Man Loves Me on this recording, which is from the CD of Our Wedding, the musical. And over the uh, what Joy is today is a, um, a casting director in New York and has the, um, the dubious <laughs> distinction, or it's a, dubious is wrong, has there the distinction go. of having said to more people than anyone else, congratulations, You've just gotten your first job in and show business. How 
In other words, she, as casting director, gets to call people and say, you got the part. And um, more than any other casting director, she has been talking to people who've, uh, who, for whom it's their that, first job. How cool is that? <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is pretty cool from and that perspective. I bet a lot of them um, have gone on to do some pretty cool things. Yeah, no, that that's true, sure. right? Because um, you know, your first job is is only the stepping stone to your second yep. job, and third, and you know, eventually, eventually, people she's cast uh, uh, wins their way up yep. to Broadway, or sometimes she's casting for Broadway. I mean, uh, Joyce cast a couple of musicals on Broadway as well, but you know, lots of people have cast for Broadway, but nobody can say that they have cast given more um, young people their first job in the industry uh, than That's Jordan. awesome. What, why don't we listen to that right now? This Man Loves Me. Okay. That was Joy, and this man loves me that, you know, uh, oddly enough, the man who loves her wrote it for her to sing to him, I guess. <laughs> yes, and that was the uh, third or fourth draft. I think it was the fourth draft, because I was writing all the songs for our wedding to be sung by specific uh, people in the wedding, and... Everybody said, great, I can't wait to learn this. And then they learned it, except Joy, who listened to the song and said, no, I don't think that's quite right. And so I kept coming up with new songs, and we were kind of running out of time. 
And that's why that song is kind of a simple gospel, um, because it was a having a less complex statement allowed her voice to shine and people to focus in on the emotion of the uh, of the moment at the end of the show. There. And I don't know, just trying to put myself into that perspective of having my wedding at a musical. I mean, I, again, this is something I know no one else who has done besides you. <laughs> Uh, I... Yeah, it it seems to be unique. Um, people do have a lot of digging at their musicals, but they generally don't have the quantity of original songs that we had. Yeah, so, I don't know, sixteen or eighteen songs, something when, like that. When my wife and I got engaged, I was the assistant director of a ice show, and <laughs> the producer of the ice show wanted us to get married on ice. And uh, uh, during during the show, he wanted us to get married, and uh, there was an Elvis impersonator that did Blue Hawaii and a Samoan uh, f- flame fire, you know, jugglers and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my, my wife, uh, who is a a good Catholic, said not so much. No. <laughs> Right. Well, it was amazing that everybody agreed to uh, perform in our wedding the musical, but at least it was there was going to be nothing that was inappropriate to the sentiment sentiment of the um, of that yes. happy day. And I kind of uh, tricked our parents, our four parents. All of both both parents had been divorced. Oh. But I tricked I tricked uh, our parents into appearing in the uh, musical by explaining to them that we wanted to have all four parents appear in the musical, and I would say um, the other three parents have already said yes. If you want to be the one that doesn't appear, you're welcome to. No, I don't want to be the one that doesn't appear. I'll do it. And then I would go to the next parent and say, you know, all other three have already agreed to this. And I would just say the same thing to all four parents. It was a lie. (laughs) Brilliant. But nobody wanted to be left out at that point when I threatened them, you know, being the only one not to sing. (laughs) That's hilarious. One of the titles that caught me here was Jessica Phillips singing I Wouldn't Wish That on a Dog. Where where yes, did that come um, from? Uh, hmm. Where did that show come from? Well, the, the song, are... what, like what show, what, what was the concept thought when you wrote I Wouldn't Wish That on a Dog? Right. Well, I kind of wrote a, a score on spec. And the reason I wrote the score on spec is that I thought that I could get the uh, my songs to the producer and have this, um, you know, kind of long shot pipe dream that the producer would hear my song and then get rid of the uh, songwriter he was already working yeah. with. So this was really 
there was just such a small chance that that the producer was going to do this, but it was kind of worth pursuing because it was at a time in which I wasn't working on any other project, and I I was kind of inspired by the idea of the show, and I wrote uh, many songs and made demo recordings of them, including um, Broadway star Jessica Phillips singing um, I Wouldn't Wish That on a Dog, and there's no evidence that the producer ever listened to my demo. There's no evidence, because he could not or would not fire the songwriter he had, because the songwriter he had was somebody very famous who the investors in the show had invested money uh-huh. in the show because of the name sure. of that songwriter. So the producer really wasn't in a position to get rid of that songwriter, which was, of course, my you know, evil plan. So my evil plan didn't come to fruition. So this show uh, closed. It was also on a national tour, and it closed way before it was supposed hmm. to. And there was a closing night party, which is a somewhat bittersweet affair because, you know, everybody's right. saying goodbye and they all wish it had been a bigger right. hit than it was. And I was just in conversation with the producer and he said, yeah, we lost a, a few million dollars on this. He said rather glumly. And, you know, it took every fiber in my body to stop from saying, well, you could have switched songwriters. <laughs> could have made a couple of million. Could have made. I doubt he would have lost this much money. I had could have been a contender. That. But, of course, the investors were only investing because they had that famous songwriter. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, when you and I were um, young people starting out writing musicals, the people who wrote musicals on Broadway were not household names. But now, in the current period, yeah. the people who are writing Broadway musicals are like Sting and Steve right. Martin and Sarah Bareilles and the, um, uh, Bono yes. and the Edge. I mean, all these major rock Abba. stars who are multimillionaires or very famous people are the people writing the uh, the musicals and we're no longer competing with names that aren't famous. I mean, I think the, the celebrities have a certain advantage. Sure. People assume that because the celebrity is um, famous for good reason, I mean, I think all those people are famous for really good reasons. They're really good at what they're doing. And I think uh, there's a certain element that just assumes that they can write musicals because they do those other things that they do so well. Yeah. Um, Why don't we go ahead and listen to Jessica Phillips singing I Wouldn't Wish That on a Dog. a wardrobe from a chintzy catalog. Those ugly man-made threads too soon get torn to shreds. They look revolting as if you're molting. Ha! I wouldn't wish that 
on a dog. Some numbskulls think they're smart, swaddling their feet in artificial sealskin for a gamble through a bog. But toes are often wet on those too cheap to get genuine sealskin if they're not real skin. Burr! I wouldn't wish that on a dog. Why go when there's fur? The most durable cover around. No man-made textile will be the next style. Long as creature comforts can be found. I've seen the cutest dogs on neighbors' precious dogs as through the winter snow the little monsters snug. I ask, is that quite fair? A pet should get to wear an extra garment. Clothes on a varmint. Ew! I wouldn't wish that on a dog. I've heard of plastic boots and other substitutes, but what is warmer than a former polywog? Even my underthings are made of real moth wings. My wire-free bra is made of zebra. Hmm, too much information. How I From my derby right down to my socks. Fake furs are mockery of stylish frockery. To be a fox, you've got to wear real fox. Synthetic clothes, disc, disc. Why then you run the risk of being subject to derisive dialogue. But don a creature's skin and let the praise begin. There's only one way to work a runway. Anything less than that, I wouldn't wish that on a cat or dog. Other than other than this little project, what else have you been working on in the last, gee, I don't know, what, five years since we talked? Yeah, boy, it's been a long time. The main project that I, there's really been two projects that continue. The main project I'm writing is a two-character musical about how you keep a um, marriage together while you're raising a baby. Well, it sounds like it's from real life. Everybody says that. Um, Most of us have been there. I think that the thing is about it sounding like real life is that on some of my musicals, I have done years and years of research to find out about um, the time and place I was writing about or a historical event I was writing about. And so for the new show, The Music Playing, I wanted to not have to do all that research 
and have ideas for uh, songs and things that could happen in the show without looking outside of my own home. So it wasn't, it isn't really a musical based on um, our lives, and we do have a four-year-old daughter, but it's a, it's more that as new parents, uh, a lot of topics come up, and I've jotted down, um, you know, little things that I think are dramatic enough to make an interesting musical, or uh, things that are funny that happen, or things that are dramatic that happen in life raising a child, and that's what I'm creating, a romantic musical about keeping the romance in a marriage one when you find yourself okay. parents. And any idea when that's going to be ready for us to listen to? When is it going to be ready to listen to? I don't have any idea. <laughs> I was just trying to put you on the it's, spot. It, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I I think that my second draft of this musical is probably going to be done uh, sometime over the okay. summer. But in what is in what is an irony that I know you'll understand, I haven't had a lot of time to write the musical about uh, what it's like to be a parent because I'm too busy being a parent <laughs> of a four-year-old. Right, and I can kind of only get to my piano when when she's at preschool and I'm not at work. So it's been literally every other Wednesday I've had four hours oh, to myself. My gosh. I have a four-year-old grandson <laughs> and, mm. and a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, so I'm mm -hmm. I'm well past the stage you're at. <laughs> <laughs> And yet I still don't seem to get enough time, <laughs> enough time to myself. Yes. Well, I guess, I guess if we're trying to one up each other with excuses, <laughs> I yes, win. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, man. I don't know how you do it. The next track is, uh, a glimmer yes. of you. This is, uh, one of the older shows, one of the older songs in the show. I wouldn't wish that on a dog is so new it wasn't in the things we do for love last time we did the things we yeah. do for love. In other words, it's the only added song. We switched one number from uh, the 2011 production, and so the new one is I Wouldn't Wish That on a Dog. Uh, a Glimmer of You was written many, many years ago, and... It was written kind of uh, as part of kind of a frustrating collaboration. I was collaborating with a book writer and lyricist, and we were trying to kind of figure out how to work together. Because I'm a lyricist. I'm primarily a lyricist. Lyric writing is the thing that I think about all the time. And my collaborator, you know, wanted to be in on the um, lyric writing, too. And he said that we had kind of different approaches we tried different kinds of collaboration. We would sometimes try lyric first. We would sometimes collaborate on a lyric. We'd sometimes try music first. And what happened in A Glimmer Review was he asked me to write a melody for him to set words to. And he said, I want the title of the song 
to be condos in the air. So with nothing more but that title, Condos in the Air, I wrote this, uh, this little melody, and I waited for him to write the lyric to Condos in the Air. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and the show went into the rehearsal, and we still had no lyric for this melody that we both liked. I mean, everybody kind of liked this melody. Mm, yeah. You know, he would have to sit down and play it, but it had no lyric because the guy who wanted to collaborate with me never got around to writing a lyric. So after that show was produced without the melody, I thought, well, I might as well just write any lyrics I can think of to this melody just so the melody can can get into you know the hands of singers just so that this song gets completed and not forgotten as it would have been totally forgotten like so many uh, so many of the songs mm. that have been cut from the show Trump and songs. Um, you know songs songs that we didn't get around to rehearsing so I wrote this um, this lyric a glimmer of you doesn't really fit on the same notes that condos in the air was going to. But it's kind of that's the the um, the end of every A section is a glimmer of you, and so that song was just sitting around, um, going nowhere for years until uh, on the musical uh, spilt milk was another review of my song, and that review was supposed to feature close harmony and. The arranger, Rob Tate, arranged this melody for four acapella voices. And that's who you're going to hear on the, uh, on the recording. Uh, Laurie Duncan, who has since become a neighbor of mine, Mark Flores, Carol Spencer, and Annette DeWester are singing in close harmony Rob Tate's arrangement of A Glimmer of You. There is no piano accompaniment, and this song wouldn't have reach the finals form if I didn't uh, just give up on the collaborator who took more than nine months to just state a lyric. Let's give it a listen. A glimmer of you. I 
those tight harmonies and that type of uh, music. Thanks. It's, it's a very special, special color you don't hear every day, and it's kind of exciting to hear something with that kind of musicality in the midst of a review that is filled with so many comedy songs. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's uh, all the other songs are in some way more dramatic than a glimmer a view is, but a glimmer of view is impressive because it's pretty and has these wild harmonies yep. in it. That's that's it's beautiful. I love it. I and I looked up and uh, we last talked about this show. You said uh, it was back in 2011, but it was our mm-hmm. 79th episode. It was MW 79. I'll definitely get it up okay. and have a link to it. So uh, people can check out because there was other songs uh, that we did on it. We featured on on that episode five years ago. Wow. Hard to Mm -hmm. believe. Hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, We we can't wait that long between these. I have to get them in a little bit closer together sometimes somehow. Uh, Well, and to be fair, we've had you on many times. I can't believe it's been five years. I mean, you were one of the. Very first that we, well, you were the first interview that we actually, Mm. I actually talked and recorded and um, the others, we had just gotten information and, you know, we, we had written and asked questions and they answered the questions and we read the question and then read the answer and played the music. And uh, Mm. you were the very first one that. I actually uh, went through everything to try to figure out how to hook everything up to where I could record it and play it back. And uh, that's been, wow, that had to be back in the first 10 to 20 anyway. Mm-hmm. I think you were actually on episode number seven. Of uh, the very first time, but I don't remember whether we mm-hmm. spoke or whether it was one of those typewritten things. I, I don't remember. How one of these days when I have good time, I'll go back and I'll find all those. <laughs> I'll find all those and I'll pull them all up and I'll post them again, and uh, the world will be right. Great. Well, let's go out with uh, some funny stuff. <laughs> Uh, yes, the recording of stuff with, uh, Eric William Morris. At the time Eric recorded, uh, this song, it was in the review, um, uh, Lunatics and Lovers, and all the men from that review went on to, uh, appear on Broadway. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, so Eric was in, uh, Mama Mia for... At least a year. Uh, Mike Wartella had been in Wicked, and he's now in the new musical, Tuck Everlasting. 
and Alan Shaw is in Les Miserables. I think he's the swing, although he wasn't always the swing, but I think that's what he's currently doing over there. So he shows up to work, not sure who he's going to be. The song stuff was the song stuff was inspired by someone else's view of what my life was like. And, you know, you collaborate at uh, at other people's houses, and my collaborator came to my house and saw that there were all sorts of remnants in the house of a... Um, of my live-in girlfriend who had departed at least a year before. And he started thinking about how comically nightmarish it must be to be surrounded by things that your ex-girlfriend brought into the apartment. And thought, you know, there's an idea for a comedy song there. So we, we wrote the lyric together. And, you know, and found kind of a variety of things that, you know, no bachelor should have in his apartment. <laughs> but I did because I just never threw them out. Yep. <laughs> yep. You can understand yep. what that must be like. So that's kind of the premise of stuff. Uh, All right. Let's give stuff a listen. It's very clear we're through. I agreed to, but somehow I thought I would be rid of you. When I walk into the bathroom, see your lemon and mango shampoo, cherry lip gloss, oatmeal soap, and this thing called mousse. I want to vomit. Enlarging camera, I see a face filled with despair. Not growing hair since I tried your mind all. You got a lot of cotton balls under the sink You made me think I could forget you But I find it kind of rough For everywhere I turn I see more and more of your stuff Now I'm feeling like a donut I go and open the cabinet door And your cheese whiz which expired in March 94 Next to the coffee maker Nine herbal teas, cinnamon sticks Rice pudding mix, where's my coffee beans? That's what you mean to me, but now I find them next to the kelp I don't need help in living solo Memories are painful enough Without this claustrophobic nightmare A growing mountain of stuff your shit multiply <laughs> so I go from door to door selling your junk <laughs> this guy on the second floor purchased your trunk and fuzzy slippers <laughs> and this girl on floor was so nice and I lowered the price of a scarf and a comb and the next thing I knew she followed me home Until your Mr. Piglet happens to get in the way. 
with the shower the the shampoo and mm-hmm. yeah i also wanted to uh, mention while i've got you on because this will be perfect timing there's a group called bankrupt talent out of new york and they mm-hmm. do a annual concert this year the benefactor is uh oh stockings with care Stockings with care, but the concert mm-hmm. is May 11th at the La Passant Rouge uh, on Bleecker Street in mm-hmm. New York. And I just kind of wanted to get that mm-hmm. out there because I know we have a lot of New York listeners, and it'd be an evening you'd enjoy. And uh, uh, you might hear uh, five or six songs that I did the arrangements for. Oh, yes. that'd be great. And that's how you say May, May 11th? Yeah, Wednesday, May 11th. And all the, sure. all well, the proceeds go to stocking with, Stockings with Care, which is a... That's um, two weeks, exactly two weeks before the New York Cabaret opening of the things we do for Which is what I was... It, We're on May Great 25th. timing, because that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> right, and we're also in Greenwich Village. We're on... Uh, we're at the duplex, so it's that same, same area, yeah. neighborhood. The duplex yeah. cabaret lounge in uh, on Christopher Street, and that is yeah. May twenty fifth at seven p.m. And tickets are twelve bucks in advance and seventeen at the door. And I'll do a link in the show notes. So if you're listening and driving right. along and you want to do it, don't don't do anything stupid with your phone right now. Wait till you get home and. You know, click the link and go do it. And uh, <laughs> well, you have some sense of when people listen to podcasts. That's oh, very well, scary. that's when I listen to them. You think people are listening to podcasts while they're I, in their Well, that's car. what I do. <laughs> oh, I, I don't do that at all. I'm I'm holding on the wheel. <laughs> well, you're life. in New York. I'm in Piqua. <laughs> all all I have to watch out for is the occasional okay. cow. <laughs> All right. So it's an easy driving area, and that's where you're going to do Well, they're all over everywhere. But... <laughs> right. And, well, I can see how you have well, that. Well, sure. I, uh, my day job requires me to drive, you know, a bunch of hours. So I, I listen to mm-hmm. podcasts usually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. I, I, I get some music in there, too, but it's mostly podcasts. And and they're also you're also in Los Angeles on June thirteenth at the Gardena right. Restaurant and Lounge on Santa Monica Boulevard. Right, and that one is the proceeds of the Los Angeles one is uh, for yes, a charity. benefit for the Friends of Runyon Canyon. So yeah, I will there you put go. links in there and uh, where people can. Uh, go on Facebook to check that one out. And you don't have it. Great. 
any dates or locations set anywhere else yet? They're not set. Now, one could look up where the 42nd Street tour oh, is okay. going and then get an idea of where they might be. But any of the cities they're going to, we don't know, right. and I don't know, um, whether they'll be able to do it there, whether there is a cabaret venue there, it's willing to have them. So the whole rest of the tour is in doubt, but we just know at this point that we're starting with New York and Los Angeles. I have a feeling Dallas will okay. be the third one, and uh, then who knows where they'll oh, take it. I'm Real quick here, I'm trying to pull up our local Broadway theater company to see what shows are coming in, just just for the heck of it. Along that lines, Jersey Boys, ah, 42nd Street, January oh. 10th to January 15th of, of next 2017. Year? My goodness, these people are in it for a long time. Yeah, let's... I honestly did not know that. Uh, well, I didn't either, but, uh, gee, let's stay in touch. Maybe we can do something in Dayton. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be We yeah, definitely wonderful. know some places we can uh, try to get you hooked up. Great. All righty, excellent. <laughs> well, Noel, it's been awesome <laughs> catching up, and it's been far too long, and we don't, we, we can't wait this long. This right. Time. Certainly not that Yeah, I, I kind of keep up with you on Facebook now and again, but you know, not the same. Mm -hmm. Not the same. Right. Well, thanks for uh, having a, uh, <laughs> another old cast episode on Musical World. <laughs> Let's not go so long again, and we'll... Great. All right, you have a good one, my friend. We'll catch you later. Thank you. Thank oh. you. Bye-bye. This podcast is a member of the Blueberry Network. Blueberry. No ease. That's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. Blueberry dot com.